0: Hello, listeners. You're tuning in to the Leadership Under Fire Optimizing Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Murphy. 2019 is coming to a close, and I have to say it was a big year for Leadership Under Fire. For one thing, we launched this podcast, and it's been an amazing experience to host and produce this show. And there have been lots of lessons learned throughout the year that are worth sharing. So today, I'm joined by Leadership Under Fire Founder and President Jason Bresler and FDNY Senior Firefighter James McNamara, who will help share some insight. Jason, Jim, welcome.
1: Thank you, Patty. Thanks, Patty.
0: So I don't even know where to begin. There's so much ground to cover. I guess the best place to start is perhaps looking back on the year. When you think about the work that the Leadership Under Fire team did together in 2019, what are you most proud of?
1: I think it's only right to defer to the senior man who's sitting to my my left. So <laughs> I'll let uh I'll let Jimmy share his thoughts first and then uh I'll be glad to share mine.
2: Okay. For me it uh it makes me proud to be part of an organization that is continually striving to get better. And you look across the team and you just see folks who are continually working to get better. They're they're lifelong learners. And the importance of that is as they continue to strive and move forward, it's reflected in the presentations that they give. And again, the better we become, the better those presentations are. We're able to have an impact on the lives of those that we present in front of. And uh, for me, that's most impressive. The team has not stagnated. You know, it doesn't rest on its laurels. It's just continuing to push forward and get better and better all the time. And it's just uh, it makes me proud to be part of something where we're moving together as a unit and getting better and better all the time and, and improving those presentations.
0: How do you follow that, Jason?
1: Yeah, Jim, Jim sets the bar high. So if I had to narrow it down to, to one specific project or effort in, in 2019 that I, I, I think where we as a team had probably the greatest impact, I think it would probably be on the resilience front. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the folks that we partnered with in the interest of getting a better understanding of the resilience of the human species, ranging from sport to the military, to the fire service, academic perspectives, historic perspectives, anthropological perspectives, all all raising the question of what happens when we play to win and lose, Mm -hmm. individually, collectively, at the team level. I'm not necessarily surprised by what we we found, but the depth of exploration and knowledge that we were able to gain in, in the process. Like when you look back, maybe answering the question, at a level or to an extent that we didn't even anticipate going going into the project. And I think the resilience project that, that we did that's now available in terms of like the, the digital content mm-hmm. ranging from Brendan's contributions to George Bonanno's data set of what, 400,000 to 400,000 yeah. plus to Lynn and Sarah's epic work on mm-hmm. helping us to understand the Indianapolis, the aftermath and what those men's lives look like mm-hmm. and the decades that followed. Jen Baker and of course, Coleman and Preston, and probably most notably, you know, one of our team's chief mentors, the Grand Diatole himself, mm-hmm. Jim Roussel. And I think to look at it and then to just use that knowledge going forward and help bring that knowledge back to so many organizations right now, with where the narrative is largely one that suggests we're, we're, we're fragile. I think our team's exploration just suggests otherwise, which is super promising for us knowing that we all work in industries where it's inevitably in the future, we're going to fail. Right, just despite inordinate effort and preparation, sometimes the outcome is not going to be what, what we intended to be.
0: To your point about the Leadership Under Fire Network, yes, it's tremendous. And the depth of knowledge and experience that people have been so generous to share this year has been unprecedented, I think. And then I just want to acknowledge the core team members that have primary roles outside of Leadership Under Fire, yet they find the time to get the work accomplished and to connect all these dots and on that note, I want to ask a little bit more of a personal question. Can you share your greatest personal accomplishment of 2019?
2: Sure. It was uh, being part of the very first research project and to seeing that uh, culminate in uh, in the work being published in uh, in Hippocampus and to be part of that with Jason and Dr. Metcalf and, and Dr. Maddie, <laughs> I still have trouble believing that it's actually... You yeah, it
0: a sparkle in your eye.
2: <laughs> I, I do because, uh, you know... I guess that project symbolizes a lot of what LUF is about, Mm -hmm. that uh, at any point in time or in your career that you can fundamentally improve yourself. And it goes back to a story the first time Jason and I uh, met with Dr. Metcalf. We stood in the great lawn of uh, Columbia, and he said to me, did you ever think in your life you would be working with a world-class Columbia professor? And my answer was, never in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. and. Again, uh, going back to what we stated before, you can't rest on the laurels. You know, that's that's a great accomplishment, a great team accomplishment. But there's a whiteboard of, of other work that's ready to move in. And, um, you know, we've gained momentum. We've also gained the institutional understanding of how to do these things. And we can pass that on to those who come after us because, again, mission is more important than any one individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know how to do this. and. things that we're ready to crack moving
1: forward are really
2: going to be extraordinary
1: what about you jason on a personal level i'm in the process of completing my first full year of of fatherhood (laughs) right which has presented certainly an an array of of challenges but more more significantly rewards right and a level Mm -hmm. of fulfillment I, i i didn't know Possible. Not to sound cliche, but I think all of us that serve in tactical organizations that serve the greater good and have an explicit mission of protecting life, property, the citizenry that we serve—it's not lost on us how, how significant that is. But man, ho- holding a holding a little baby and then watching her grow and and develop—if that doesn't give you a newfound appreciation for for how precious and valuable life is—I I don't know. <laughs> i don't know what what would so then it really it really forces you to to spend time sometimes as as, as brief as those episodes may be just because there's so much going on in each of our lives really asking yourself about what really matters mm-hmm. it, it definitely forces you to spend some time thinking about how you can become a better version of your <laughs> of, of yourself yeah no nah, that's that's probably my greatest uh personal accomplishment it's, it's been um Ah, what a what a fun and phenomenal. Certainly not without challenges. <laughs> some restless nights along the way and some 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 moments where I went right to center or felt the backside of the curve <laughs> in ways that I'm not necessarily proud of. But ah, it's been it's been awesome.
0: Really happy for you and your family. Thank you. So can you both share with our listeners what your biggest professional challenge was this year?
2: I guess the biggest challenge is just uh trying to manage the, the time constraints. But again, if, if it's if it's that important to you, uh, you'll find a way to make it happen. Uh, there's simply not enough time in the day, but if we get better at managing it at the end of the day, hopefully we'll be able to stay on track and, and, and continue to push forward.
0: Thanks. Jason, can you share your biggest professional challenge?
1: Yeah, my biggest professional challenge in 2019, probably on two fronts. One would be continuing to navigate this ordeal <laughs> Right. with the United States Marine Corps, the never ending ordeal. I've gotten to a point where it's just kind of part of my life and part of my existence. And I'm so blessed to have so many great people in, in my corner that lend support from time to time, You know, ranging from Chief Richardson to Danny Murphy to, to Chief Ginty to Commissioner Cassano, my father, et cetera, and so many Marines. But the reality is every few months it rears its head and it's it's time to buckle down and do and do business. And uh, it requires just a certain uh, mindset as I navigate that. But then getting promoted out of the firefighter's rank, having to leave rescue too, it was certainly bittersweet. But, you know, all good things come to an end. And um, one great season or chapter of life ends and another begins. The challenge is you leave a place with a group of guys that you worked for a number of years and are some of your closest friends. And you have a great understanding of how... What their capabilities are, and you're just constantly learning from these guys, and, and blown away by what they can do under pressure. And you're going to fires and emergencies on a pretty frequent basis with these with this group of guys. And now you get promoted, and you go to a different part of the city where you don't know anyone. And I don't mean you don't know their capabilities under stress. I mean sometimes you don't even know their names, right? And you're riding the front the front seat of a of a fire engine, and you're going to fires sometimes with cumulatively, maybe four or five years total. And it's a very, very different leadership role. It's a little unnerving, particularly if you think about the responsibility that you have. And MPI, not not a shameless plug, becomes such a valuable tool for for me in that role in ways that I didn't anticipate as a firefighter and and rescue too. It's a challenge. But like Danny Murphy says it best. He says, you're like, you're, you're a fireman, you're a firefighter, you it's like going to the beach right you're going to the beach to have a great time you respect the ocean but you're having a really great time with your your buddies now you get promoted it's like taking your kids to the beach like you're still going to the beach you're still going to enjoy it but largely you're you're, you're taking them and now there's just much much greater level of responsibility and you're just thinking about the beach and the ocean in in ways that you hadn't thought about as much before. I've had several guys like Jimmy Mack who play that quintessential senior firefighter role who've been super helpful through the process. But those are my two biggest challenges of 2019.
0: This is like borderline personal and professional. One thing I'm really proud of this year is obviously this podcast and being able to be part of it and put a lot of work and effort into it, but then also kind of see a reward from it people have been giving us some really great feedback i've been able to share a lot of stories with people that have really been impactful so i have to ask which was your favorite leadership under fire podcast in 2019 and why and disclaimer you can't choose your own episodes oh, that, can, I, can
1: i choose Jim's?
0: you can do that you just can't choose your own
2: i would say the the commander um, we had the opportunity to meet him a few years ago and, uh, to say he's a remarkable individual would be an understatement, but what really makes him and his community so unique is that the space that he's occupied, whether you talk about educational, whether you talk about on the battlefield as a seal or whether about, whether in a, a leadership position in the seals or in a training position in the seals, there are so few people who have ever operated or, or, or known the, the, the intersection of all those worlds. Mm-hmm. And that gives him a depth of understanding that so few people have ever had. And it's an enormous uh, asset for us to have access to someone like that who gives a perspective and, and, a, and a meaning to a lot of the things that we're looking to do ourselves. And I would also say with him, if you're a New York City fireman who was on his job in 9-11... Uh, we have a very special place in our hearts uh, for the SEALs and, and the members of the Tier 1 community. When the nature of the conflict shifted, it was the the SEALs and the Tier 1s who brought justice to those who perpetrated such incredible harm upon us, our city, and our nation. And uh, we are forever grateful for what they have done for God and country.
0: Jason?
1: Personally, my, my favorite episode this past year, undoubtedly, the Captain Vigiano, the two-part series. So for first, Patty, credit to you for the probably hundreds of hours that you invested in that project. I was probably more involved than I even anticipated when we were in the planning phase. But we, you know, we, we knew several years ago when, when he passed, it, we just knew that it was going to leave a, a, a gaping hole in our hearts. Of course, we also knew that we had a responsibility to be resilient going forward because he typified that. You know, he says he could be no less of a man. Mm-hmm. Than his sons and any of those that were touched and impacted by Captain Vision, we could be no less of a of a man than, than than he in his absence, and and he lived such a good long long life, particularly when you, when you take into account all, all the loss and and, and trauma and, and stress that he had endured and navigated over the course of his his life. But oftentimes, when people leave this this earth and their, their time here comes to an end, we're, we're left with just pictures and memories. To have that, that, that two-part series where he's reflecting on his uh, his life, his war years, his own leadership philosophy, some of the things he did well, some of the things he, you know, wish he'd done a little bit better. I mean, just when he's candidly reflecting with a group of us. And then to have folks like Danny Murphy and, and the John Fowlers mm-hmm. and the the Chuck Downies mm-hmm. and his grandsons, yeah. you know, talk about what, what he meant to, to them, Chief Richardson and... George Guy and all these folks to, to reflect on what he instilled in them and how they're continuing to live and lead mm-hmm. in a way that would be fitting to his, his legacy. It, it was just super, super powerful. It, it provides us a resource going forward where we have the ability to kind of just hit play. There, there's Captain Vidge telling it like it needs to be told mm-hmm. and what a compelling story. So that's, without question, my favorite uh, podcast of the the year, which is saying something in light of (laughs) the folks that we've had on on the air during our first year.
0: It was quite a feat to put that together. But, you know, listening to the content and then not just what was recorded, but even what was said outside of recordings, what was shared with me personally, like, there's no way I could even start to explain, like, the purpose behind it and having to just – Put that together, and I hope and I think that we did do his extraordinary life justice by creating that historical record. Somebody, and I don't think this is really a credit to me, but to the team and everybody involved as a whole, like said that it was a triumph, and so I was I was really moved by that word because I think that that was appropriate for
1: absolutely, for him. and it's the timing of it, given that we as a team decided to explore resilience as a theme. In 2019, or around this question of what happens when we play to win and and, and lose, who, who typified it more than Captain Vidge? I was watching a documentary recently. I I'd seen it several times before because it's such a, a good story about resilience, and that's the story of of Jim Valvano's team winning the NCAA tournament. I believe in 1983 against great odds and so many buzzer victories along the way against great odds, and then years later, Coach Valvano would come down with, with cancer. He fought courageously, but it was a battle that he was unable to win. Uh, they created a, a, a Jim Valvano f- foundation to help raise money for cancer. And this is, I mean, this is going back three decades now. And, and you think about how much of an impact his battle has his had in subsequent years in, in raising resources and, and hope for so, so many. But there's a Jimmy V speech that I, I feel like everyone should, should watch, whether you like sport or not. And it, it's him getting the ESPY awards mm-hmm. at a time in his life where he knew his time was short. And he he says you should do three things in life, every day. You should laugh, you should learn, and you should cry. When you listen to the Vigiano podcast, like you're kind of forced to do all three, in in, in the process. Sometimes in a matter of, of of seconds, and uh, yeah, that man typified resilience, and what a what an appropriate way to to honor him mm-hmm. as a team in 2019.
0: Hello. I want to take a pause from today's episode to let you know about an upcoming event hosted by the Leadership Under Fire team. In February 2020, a Thought Leaders retreat will be held in Brooklyn, New York, and will focus on exploring current efforts, opportunities, and challenges associated with advancing human and mental performance in a programmatic fashion in high-risk industries. The target audience for the retreat is leaders who are currently managing human performance programs and those who desire to launch human performance programs in their organizations. Enrollment includes lodging in a Brooklyn brownstone and meals, as well as a tactical fitness and active recovery session with Jimmy Lopez and Dr. Belisa Vranich, on-site human performance historical case studies, including Roebling's Brooklyn Bridge and the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, and an optimal human performance fireside chat featuring members of the FDNY at a neighborhood bar. Registration is limited, so act fast. Visit leadershipunderfire.com and click on the Events tab to learn more. Now, let's get back to the show. We brought up a documentary. You know, one of the reasons why we started this podcast was because the market is pretty saturated. That's how this conversation started. And we said, well, how do we share what we're doing effectively and decided that podcasting would still be the right medium for us. So knowing how much is out there, how much we listen to, whether it's podcasts or how much we watch, if it's a documentary, I have to ask, what was your favorite non-leadership under fire digital source of knowledge or podcast in 2019?
2: Well, my answer is going to be a little embarrassing, but uh, the lecture is from Dr. Robert Sapolsky from Stanford are available on YouTube and if you're tasked with trying to understand the, you know, the the stress response, uh, no better access uh, than that. And to be able to, to go back and rewind it over and over again and gain a deeper understanding has really helped because in the first few years we kind of gained a conceptual understanding of the stress response. But Sapolsky really gives you a cellular understanding of it, and that's really required as you move forward. Again, it's always about growing and getting better and never resting. And the deeper we understand that, the better we'll be able to address that. And to me, that's, uh, that's my answer.
0: I'm going to have to put that on my list. What about <laughs> you, Jason?
1: So my answer probably isn't nearly as cerebral as, <laughs> as, the, as the big guys here sitting next to me. Um, overall, probably continues to be Freakonomics. I don't listen to every episode. I just don't have the time in some instances. But I I really like what Stephen Dubner and his team continue to do. And I I think that their way of thinking, the way they go about breaking down a problem set or a trend, something that plagues society or some instances an endeavor to do something that we already do well better. I just think that just do it in such a creative, sometimes fun way rooted in critical thought I think the process and approach that what they apply is just oftentimes an antidote of sorts to conventional wisdom or or the status quo or just the laziness at times we're all guilty of and not thinking hard enough about problem sets or more specifically sometimes becoming lazy or less than thorough of our analysis and intending to establish causation right in instances where at best it's it's mere a cor- correlation, so that that for me is is uh, probably was top of my list for 2019.
0: On that note, we obviously talk a lot about reading and the importance of reading. What was the best book that you read in 2019 about leadership or human performance? I Jim's throwing his hands up in the air. He can't he can't stand me right
1: now. <laughs> Hold on can 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 I guess what it is? And I'm sure and you put can. a wager on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do I know it? I,
1: no, I'm just saying I, I think I know where Jason does he's already that. he's already shown his hand. I don't I don't know. He has, he's a, already he he his has hand. a list of notes over here. I don't know what he's going to say, but I'm rather
0: s- Was s- it certain. published this year?
2: Oh, Jason knows. Uh, again, Sapolsky's work, uh, Behave. And then probably the starter. the best starter book is, is Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Mm-hmm. Um Jason and I had talked about this a while. That the understanding that Sapolsky provides is that these two books will become absolute must-haves. They're foundational books uh, for us. Again, as we as we march on to this understanding, and his understanding is just he, he's he's one of a kind. And uh, again, have access to that, and it really helps us to dial in uh, to what the problem set is. And it also helps us as we attempt to frame you know, potential studies that are going to happen on our end. Mm-hmm. The better we understand it, the better we can ask the questions so that when we partner up with our academic f- counterparts, we can really dial in to look at a specific problem set
1: and hopefully be able to quantify it. It's exciting. I knew he was going to say behave. <laughs> I knew it. And it's a great book, but I, disclaimer, I, I haven't gotten the whole way through it yet. It's not a light It's not a light read. Yes. It's, it's certainly not something you can read late at night. <laughs> when when you're when you're tired uh but it's not the significance of of it is not is not lost on me and it the significance of of Sapolsky's contributions certainly not lost to me my favorite book from 2019 was the road to character by brooks mm. and i think i picked it up initially a few years ago maybe read a chapter to put it down in this past year i made a pack of myself that i was going i was going to finish it beginning to end in, in its entirety. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brooks a pretty prolific writer for, for the New York Times. I think it was like some of his own hardship and setbacks that he's experienced in recent years. It really was kind of the impetus for him to think about character and what the road to character looks like in light of what we know about life regardless of of, of our personal and endeavor or profession and he arrives at this i don't even know if i'm doing it justice but he arrives at this conclusion that suggests all too often in life we're in pursuit of resume and pedigree virtue mm-hmm. like the things during that are not seasoned during that chapter of life look really impressive on a resume but at the end of the day what really counts are the eulogy virtues Th- those virtues by which we're defined or characterized or described at the end of our time here on on earth and going back to captain vidge there was the man that was the, he lived his life on the road to character not knowing when that road would end or where it would take him but when you think about how he was eulogized at his funeral yeah the road to character was my was my favorite it's certainly something that I'll I'll revisit and uh, in 2020 I plan to read brooks's following as well as I promised the senior man over here that I'll finish, yeah, I'll finish Behave.
0: (laughs) Well, I did read something in the beginning of the year that wasn't published in 2019, but it's not as in-depth of a read as these two books. It was When Breath Becomes Air. Hmm. It was a a very quick read, a very engaging read. And really, I mean, after I was finished with the book, and I, I, again, I think I read it in like a day or two when I closed it. I had to sit with it for like a few minutes because it was that impactful, you know. Kind, it really did leave an impression.
2: Sure, and and this whole concept of broadening, whether it's been an MPI or an LUF, it's, it's arguably the thing that has astounded
1: me the most. How
2: much our people are just devouring information. I mean, Tim B, he's crushing forty books a year.
1: Yeah, we, we had a young fire officer. Uh, who we met several years ago, has attended several leadership under fire courses, um, most notably spent a week with us on the farm in Maryland in October. He and Jimmy exchange correspondence pretty frequently. I still don't know, but I'd like to know how many folks Jimmy corresponds with via email. <laughs> it's it's impressive. So t- this guy, Tim, sends Jim an in, in email, not in a boastful way, but he tells him that he's going to finish year having read 48 books mm-hmm. just shy of, of his objective <laughs> of, of 52 mm-hmm. i mean to jimmy mac's point there are guys on the team and, and connected to the team in our network that are just absolutely crushing yeah. crushing books
2: and people in our in, in this in this line of work we really have to understand that they're not just competitive they're hyper competitive and that's part of you know that's part of the draw whether you know, you're in military, law enforcement, emergency medicine. These are driven people. Mm-hmm. Again, the Marine Corps really has done a great job with this, having the reading lists in different ranks. That's a fantastic model. And something Preston Klein would talk about, right, that we we train for certainty and then we educate for uncertainty. It's a fantastic uh, way and a fantastic approach. It even impresses me with with my young guys. I mean, they, they really – because they want to get better. And um, it's a fantastic tool and it's really uh, – it's, it's, it's astounded me.
0: Speaking about competitiveness, that's the perfect segue to my next question, which was, can you tell our listeners about your favorite human performance or sports story from 2019?
2: This is a story that we're probably going to put out next year on a page. It's about the American chess master, uh, Fabiano Carano. And uh, during his matches, during those days, he'll burn up to 6,000 calories and he'll generate blood pressure equivalent to that of marathon runners. Now, you talk about something that opens up lots of conversation. Well, first, you we begin to talk about the extraordinary fuel and energy demands of the brain. Uh, and then you start asking questions about values. If, if, if somebody's sitting down playing chess and you know, generating this kind of value, well, what kind of values are firefighters generating you know, when they push a line down a hole? They're searching above the, above the fire. Or you're a chief commanding this. Or what if you're a police officer uh, doing a doing a traffic stop? Or, or a paramedic attempting to render aid to, to a gunshot victim in a scene that's still hot? What kind of values do you think would they generate? And another thing with this is... We shouldn't be so fixated on on attempting to know what the values are at the pinnacle of operations. We should be thinking about what are the values that we generate just in the course of our regular days. Uh, Tim Clark talked about something that we had done with some of the data that I had generated. You know, on a single 24-hour tour, uh, I generated a strain rate higher than, you know, 99% of the people who wear this device. Mm -hmm. We don't understand that. And just the day-to-day operations, police, fire. How about even in the nursing community? What impacts and what kind of values are you generating? And that story opens up dozens and dozens of different kinds of conversations that you can have. And uh, I thought it was fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible story. It's almost overwhelming to read it. And then similar to Jimmy's point, say if this is how he's being impacted physiologically, Mm -hmm. biologically, (laughs) how— How how are, how are the folks in a lot of the industries connected to LUF being in, impacted in the course of their performance?
0: Was that your favorite human performance or sports story from 2019?
1: My favorite sports story comes from college basketball, I think in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's a story largely rooted in re- resilience. Big college basketball fan ha- have been my entire life. And college basketball and NCAA tournament is, is really everything. Like, no one really remembers at the end of the year who won the college. Jimmy's nodding his head. He played college basketball. No one's really – no one really remembers who won the the conference championship. Everyone just remembers largely who who played well into March, sometimes even early into April, right? Who played for the smaller schools who was good enough to play, get an invite to the march – to the dance, the big dance in in March. And oftentimes the smaller schools, even just getting to go and play on that stage – is an honor, and usually your you're 14, your 15, or 16 seeds are shorted apart upon the completion of the first game. I don't, I don't think a 16th seed had ever beaten a, a one seed. Maybe maybe once, maybe. And then in 2000, and then really for your bigger, bigger time programs, it's all about sweet 16 and greater, you know, to the grade eight, final four, and then really who, who wins a national championship. In 2018, University of Virginia, you know, an ACC powerhouse entered the tournament, with the expectation that they were going to win, or I mean, th- they were heavily favored to to do great things, and the unthinkable happened: they lost to a 16 seed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, here, here's this story college basketball program that some predict to win it all. And they lose in the first round, and I don't mean they lose by a little. I mean they get beat like a drum. They lose by like twenty plus points. And I just remember watching this. Like part of me was like elated to see them lose. I'm, I'm not. I'm an ACC fan, but UVA isn't isn't my isn't my school. So, uh, and then I just I, I just watched the class by which they lost with the, their head coach Tony Bennett. So when the 2018-2019 season starts, I mean, here's a team that was just embarrassed on the national stage. Well, how's the season end? With them playing for the national championship. And when you go back and you look at how they lost, how they prepared, how they absorbed that failure, the poise, the class that they that they had lost with, their, their pre- press conferences, the way that they handled themselves. And these are 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. The, the way that their coach, Tony Bennett, yeah, his name's Tony Bennett, the way that he had carried himself. And it was just so cool to then see them win, uh, to win the national championship, and uh, particularly in light of the fact that they had lost the year before in uh, the un- unthinkable fashion.
0: My favorite sports story of 2019 is the fact that I completed the New York City Marathon on zero <laughs> training. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I actually thought the Breaking Two project was pretty impressive this year. Thanks for listening to our Year in Review episode. We discussed so much during this recording, we decided to break up the episode. Part two is scheduled to publish on Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. Please be sure to tune in. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our show on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts. After you listen, please share it and tell the team what you think by rating the podcast or leaving a comment. Podcast episodes are also available via the Leadership Under Fire website.